The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Please be seated in God's house and be taking your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to be an emotional wreck today, so just get used to it. I'm not apologizing. So, Because he is our living hope, we have good reason to smile today. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Once you're there, you can find your way to verse 13. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Join me in prayer. Lord, we commit this time to you as we always do. As we gather together as the flock of God, we We are here to hear from your word. We are here to be spiritually fed. Encourage us, I pray, in this hour. Guide us. Continue to be the faithful shepherd that we have seen you to be. Father, we can certainly not come before you without a great thanksgiving for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. So make us faithful, make us thankful, I pray. Make us attentive as we are fed from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, and all the church says...
There was a show that was on during the 80s and 90s, and the host of this show, you might say, went by the name of Bob Ross. He was a professional painter, an incredible artist. Many of us have seen him or even still see episodes, whether it's on YouTube or wherever else, of this incredible artist as he would sit there with the canvas and very funny and likable character, but he was just a phenomenal artist. And he would take those brushes and those utensils and he would begin to throw some paint onto the canvas. And the thing that you would think to yourself first is, man, what in the world is this guy doing to this poor canvas? I mean, this is just, he just starts throwing a bunch of color on there and you're thinking to yourself, that is an ugly picture. I mean, what in the world beautiful could be coming out of what he is creating here? This is an ugly painting. But because he was a master at his craft, he would take a utensil, a certain size of brush or a certain size of the type of painting knife that he had, and, and he so expertly would know how to mix the colors together to make exactly what it was that the canvas needed, to make it such that it would no longer be ugly. He masterfully mixed the colors together, even sometimes adding just the proper amount of paint thinner to the color that he had mixed together. And then masterfully, he would have a technique of applying that paint to whatever the utensil was in his hand, and then he would set it to the canvas. And in just a few short strokes of those masterful brush strokes, he would turn an ugly, ugly painting into something that was breathtaking. The picture of life and death that we have it, as we see it before us, in our world, in these lives that are cursed by the curse of sin, it's an ugly picture. It's an ugly picture that isn't very pretty sometimes. And there is a very, a very real fear of death among many people. And even among many people that would call themselves children of God, people that are redeemed of their sin. And what I believe with all my heart today is that God would have us understand as a church together the masterful brush strokes that he has accomplished on our behalf that makes this ugly picture beautiful. So we're in the book of 1 Thessalonians. They are in chapter 4. We know that the Apostle Paul is the pen through which God chose to write this letter to this good and faithful church, this obedient and steadfast church at Thessalonica. And what he says there in the very first part of verse 13 of chapter 4, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. And we know, based on the rest of the text that we read, that Paul is referencing this death. Paul is referencing this ugly picture. And he says regarding that ugly picture, he says, Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant about it. This word ignorant is the old Greek word amathis. And it means to be illiterate in or untaught or even to be stupid. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, I don't want you to be untaught. I don't want you to be illiterate in this thing, this picture of death. I don't want you to be stupid, Paul says. And he says in there in the book of Corinthians, he says, 
to imitate him, so I think I'm going to do that. New Covenant Community Church, don't be stupid in these things. We ought to not be amorphous. We ought to not be ignorant in some of these things, which is why I've titled this sermon simply, Don't Be Ignorant About Death. Now, I preached this text that I'll be preaching this morning. I preached almost exactly a year ago. And I want to encourage you to take your own notes as I'll be preaching like I did last week, week with no particular highlighted points. I'm simply going to be going through and trusting the Spirit's leading this morning. So in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we've already read it twice, let's do it for a third time. Paul says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if, somebody shout if, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now this term, this phrase of sleeping in Jesus has been misunderstood, but as you become a student of God's word, it becomes very clear what this sleeping in Jesus is about. We know that this sleeping in Jesus represents all who have died from the time of Christ until his coming. And as we will go through and see, and I'll show you the scripture that helps display this whole thing before you, we know that when someone dies, that their body, their earthly shell, remains on the earth. It goes in the ground, but their spirit, the true them, is with the Lord. This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, he said, We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul says it's a good thing for someone to be able to be absent from this earthly shell and to be present with the Lord to experience this sleeping in Jesus. If you've ever been to the beach, undoubtedly you've seen a crab scurrying across the sand. And if you ever take a look at them, you'll notice that a crab, and you see its shell with its legs protruding out of the shell, you all have that picture in your minds of what that looks like. A crab, when you see its shell, it's not the real thing. It can leave the shell, and it can go into a new one. The shell is not what actually the crab is. A crab can come out of its own shell and separate itself from the shell. There's the shell, and then there's the real thing. And as it is for believers, there's the shell that will die and fade and break down and go to sleep, be asleep in Jesus, then there's the spirit, the true us, the real us, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The real us will be with him. This is what this sleep in Jesus and the promise of God's word that we see here is that if a person believes that Jesus died and rose again, that when he comes to redeem the church, when he comes to rapture the church and take the church off the face of the earth, that when that happens, the promise of God's word is that Jesus is going to bring with him the souls of all of those who have slept in Jesus, all of those who believed that he died and rose again, he's going to bring those souls with him. We need to understand this beautiful, masterful brushstroke that God has done on our behalf that makes this picture not quite so ugly and even beautiful, knowing that the end of us, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the end of us is not just to be worm food. Our body will become that for a time, but the real us will be with him. If you believe it, say yes. 
Look now, if you would, to verse 15 as we continue on in God's Word. As we continue to become less ignorant about this thing that Paul says he did not want us to be ignorant about. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now I believe there are three things, dear friends and family, this morning that you need to know out of this text that we just read as to not be a mothis, as to not be ignorant concerning this thing, this ugly picture of death that the master craftsman of our souls has placed the brush on the canvas and has done some stuff. And some of that stuff that he has done has made the picture beautiful, one of which being that his promise is to bring the souls of all those who sleep in him with him when he returns for the church. Some other things that you need to know. And we saw there in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul says this is not a feeling. This is not how I feel about this ugly picture of death. And this is not just something I'm saying for us all to feel better about the situation of death and this ugly picture. This is a true reality revealed to you by the word of the Lord. This is not a feeling. This is not an emotion. What we think and feel about this is irrelevant. This is expressed to us by the word of the Lord. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. So this is something that you and I can trust, knowing that it's from the Word of God. And you say, well, Pastor Ben, you're, a, you're an educated man. You've got your bachelor's and your master's and whatever else. And do you really think that just because it says it in God's Word that we can believe it? Do you really believe that just because it says, Paul says, for this I say to you by the Word of the Lord, that it's something, it's the peg that we can hang our hat on and know without a shadow of a doubt that it is absolutely true? To which I would say to you, yes, absolutely. And you say, well, Pastor Ben, that takes some supernatural power. Yes, it does, dear friend, this morning. It does take some supernatural power, and I believe it with all of my heart because it is expressed to us by the word of the Lord. You take every scientist in the entire planet and gather them together. You take every professor of every school anywhere and gather them together. You take every doctor of every doctor anywhere and gather them together, and they don't know anything. They don't know diddly squat about this thing of life and death apart from the Word of God. Someone say amen. It is the Word of God that reveals these things to us. So let us not be a mothis, let us not be ignorant. The picture of death is ugly, but the Lord has made a beautiful brushstroke on this thing that turns it all around, one of which being that his promise is to bring the souls of those who sleep in him with him when he comes to the church to redeem them, to bring them off of the earth. And we know it to be true because it is expressed to us by the word of the Lord. Second thing I believe we need to see out of this is some of the order of events of what we know is to come. The Bible tells us that the dead in Christ, or those who sleep in Jesus, will rise first. 
And 1 Corinthians 15 actually helps us understand what a lot of this actually looks like. So I invite you to take your thumb, put it there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where you're already at, and then I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's take a moment and let's go there together. And if you don't have a hard copy Bible, you've got your phone in your pocket, that's a good, good way to get the Bible in front of you as well. Make sure you have it. 1 Corinthians 15. And once you're in chapter 15, look to verse 50. As it helps us understand some of these things of the dead in Christ rising first and then us, we need to understand these things. We need to not be ignorant about what these things look like. Verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality." So what in the world is happening here? What is it that God's Word is explaining to us? What it's explaining to us is that you and I in our natural state cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You and I in our back aching, knees hurting, sinful cursed condition, and the way that you and I are, are right now, if we were to stand before and see Almighty God, it would kill every single one of us. That our own nature can't even handle it. This is why this corruptible body must put on incorruption. This is why these bodies must be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet so that we can have these glorified bodies that can stand before God. You and I in our natural state standing before Almighty God would be like putting a leaf in front of a blowtorch. The nature of one would consume the nature of the other. It'd be like putting a pop can in front of a locomotive. The nature of one would consume the nature of the other. So we know from God's word that the dead in Christ will rise first and that these bodies will be changed. First those who are asleep in Jesus and then us who are alive and remain. So here's the whole picture of what I believe this to be and what this perhaps could look like if you and I were walking through a cemetery today and Jesus were to come back this afternoon for his bride and this is a biblical interpretation certainly you have the word of God in front of you to to make an interpretation but as best I can tell this is what helps all of this kind of come together as we could see this you and I could be walking side by side this afternoon walking through a cemetery and if it were to be the right and appointed time that the father looks over at the son and says go get your bride go get the church and Jesus were to stand up from his throne and, and he were to come down and we see him in the air. What we could expect to see and to happen as you and I walk through that graveyard is that some of the graves, some of the graves represented in the ones who have died who are asleep in Jesus, who have believed that Jesus died and rose again, of those people, 
we would probably very likely start to see the earth peel back. And maybe just in the same way that the stone rolled away from the grave of Jesus, that we would begin to see the, ro the rocks and the dirt and those big concrete slabs that they started putting over in the vaults. I think it was like in the mid-80s or something they started putting the coffins down on those slabs. And, and we would see those things roll away perhaps much in the same way that it was for Jesus on that first Easter morning. And we would see the dead in Christ rise first. And we would not see their corruptible, dead, worm food, rotted bodies stand up and be met with their spirit. And then all of a sudden we've got these zombie lookalikes walking around. That is not what it's going to be. It's going to be these glorified bodies, raised, incorruptible, glorified, that can then handle the glory of God, that will be met up with their spirits. They will have no back aches. They will have no knee aches. They'll have no, none of these things. And we will see them raised first and then in a moment in the twinkling of an eye you and I would be changed our bodies would be changed from this corruptible body to the incorruptible from this mortal to the immortality and then our spirits with this resurrected type of body would also meet the Lord in the air well pastor Ben that sounds crazy whatever I don't care this morning that is the truth of God's word and that's what I believe absolutely will happen if you and I were walking through a cemetery today dear friend and Jesus came back for the church I believe with all my heart that is what we would see look if you will back in the verse that we're in there in first Corinthians to verse 54 so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody put your hands together and say amen because he's good and he's faithful to give us victory in those things. So we see the ugly picture of death. It's going to be an ugly thing for someone's rotted, warm food body that's been for decades now on the ground. That's a, that's a horrible, ugly thing. But the beautiful brushstroke that we see as a promise out of the Word of God is that He's going to bring with Him those souls to raise up those bodies incorruptible. And then immediately after that happens, the same will happen for us. And then the victory will be won over sin. The victory will be won over death. That is a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, that will be fulfilled on that day. Then it shall be brought to pass, the word of God says. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And this is exactly what Paul wanted the church in Thessalonica. He wanted the Thessalonian church to not be ignorant in these things. Because if we are ignorant in these things, and we feel and we think and we believe as if the picture for us is an ugly one, you are indeed believing a lie. As a believer, as someone who believes that Jesus rose again after he was crucified, if you believe that, if you are a believer, if you have repented of your sins, if that is the case for you, he has made your picture beautiful so what are we supposed to do with these masterful breaststrokes look back to verse 58 of the, of the where we're at in first corinthians therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work look to your neighbor and say work and the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the lord 
Now your thumb should still be back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want you to go back and turn there now. Look to verse 18. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So here's the point. With what God has done with these masterful brush strokes has made our picture beautiful when we see this ugly thing of death that God has made beautiful. The thing that we are to do with that knowledge is we're supposed to go to work. We're supposed to labor. We're supposed to do these things because this labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're supposed to comfort one another with this truth and with this reality. It was during World War II when Dietrich Bonhoeffer was arrested because he had been preaching among the churches to resist the Nazis and all the things that we were doing. And, and it was very common among the Jews, or even people that weren't Jews, people that were just believers, it was very common among that day, among the believers, that they all thought that Jesus was going to come back very soon. And there was some particular time in which Dietrich Bonhoeffer had been arrested, and there was this notion that Jesus was going to come back like very soon, like perhaps even the next day. And he had been arrested, and there were other Christians that were asking him, saying, why is it that you would allow yourself to be arrested and preaching the way you're preaching when Jesus... Jesus, you still, even in prison, you're continuing on even while you're locked up in a cage. Why is it that you're doing that when we know that Jesus is going to be coming back very, very soon? And he was quoted saying, if Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I'll rest from my labor. But today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it is finished. In other words, he says, I've got this beautiful picture, this thing that was really ugly of death that God has now taken the brushstroke, the masterful brushstroke and made it beautiful. I've got this beautiful picture. There's a whole bunch of people without that beautiful picture because they have not believed that Jesus died and rose again. And I must continue this work while I still have time, while there's still this opportunity to be able to show other people this beautiful picture. And I can just tell you, dear friends, this morning that it is ch this has totally changed my perspective of evangelism. I used to have this image in my mind like evangelism had to be this super structured, super organized thing that churches could only do in a collectivized movement. No, it's really just about showing other people what God has done for your picture and showing them that, that believing that Jesus died and raised again, when you believe that, when you repent of your sins, that Jesus will then take the brush stroke to their canvas and make the death that used to be ugly a beautiful picture those promises becoming true for them this is truly what evangelism must be about it's not this organized structured large movement thing it's simply going out and doing the work of the great commission that God has called the church to do if you're with me say amen and it sounds to me like the Thessalonian church knew this it sounded like they had their head on straight with this I believe we're now in chapter 5. Look to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The Thessalonians knew, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, that there was only a certain matter of time. Whether it was Jesus returning for his church or whether it was their earthly shell wearing out, fading such that it could no longer house their spirit any longer. They knew that they just had a certain amount of time to do these things. Therefore, they must put themselves to the work of it. It was even common back then. They used this old Aramaic word called, that was called Maranatha. 
And it simply meant our Lord comes or Lord come. And they would use that word in greeting and leaving one another. Rather than saying hello and goodbye, they would simply shout out, Maranatha! This work must be done. The Lord is coming. The Lord may come at any time. So let us put ourselves to the work. We see the season in which we're in. Be it His coming or be it this old earthly shell that wears out. We've only got so much time to do some of these things. Their head was in the game of what was going on. And can I just tell you that for many people at New Covenant Community Church, I've been a very proud pastor because as we have gone through just a really weird season with the second round of COVID and all the rest going on, there are times that I'll be talking to numerous numbers of you that I've talked to in the past weeks that have said, Pastor Ben, we have been overwhelmed by the love that has been poured out from New Covenant into our family and checking on us and bringing us things and Man, we are just overwhelmed by that kind of love. And as I sit back and my pastoral wheels start turning, I think to myself, man, there's some people at New Covenant that get it. Their head is in the game just like it was for that church in Thessalonica. They understand there's a time. You've got some time to do some of these things because there's coming a time when you won't. And it's awesome. It's awesome that there's some people here at this church that their head is in this game. And I love you for it. I'm thankful. But there are also those among us that are floaters and your head is not in the game. This is something that you've been playing. And what I'm telling you, whether it be for your own ugly canvas that needs the masterful brushstrokes of the Savior for the promises to be true, you need to repent. Your sin is keeping that canvas of death ugly for you. And it's way uglier than you could possibly imagine. You need the Savior to fix it for you. And the way the Savior fixes it for you is for you to repent of the sin that separates you from God. And they'll make it beautiful. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll see the value. The value of no fear in death. You'll want to share it with other people. You'll start telling other people about it. Because you know, it's, you know it's the only way that can get that thing to look beautiful again. You know it's the only way for your end not to be for your earthly shell just to remain worm food and for your soul to be tormented in hell. You'll, you'll, you'll fall in love with that picture. You'll fall in love with the artist that's made that thing amazing. And you'll start telling people about it. So if you've been floating, be it for your own painting or whether, whether you've been so selfish that you've harbored it yourself, and you've not told others about this beautiful painting that God, has, that God has done for you. Get your head in the game. Don't float any longer. Verse 3. Chapter 5, as we see the motivation for the Thessalonian church for why they did this. Paul says, for when they say peace and safety, when the rest of the world is just lollygagging around doing whatever, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So the very inextricably clear picture that God's Word is painting for us here, that as we understand this, is that there are those who will be saved, and there are those who will not be saved. 
So because of that, because there are those who are going through life with their lives redeemed, sins forgiven, the picture of death is now beautiful because of Christ, and there are those that are moving towards either their earthly body wearing out or Jesus coming back, and then there are those with still ugly paintings because of that, continue on. Don't be... The rapture has to do with redemption. Don't become lax in these things. The great preacher Adrian Rogers once used this illustration that I think is so incredibly helpful as we envision what the rapture of the church will be like. What he said was that if you were to take all different kinds of metals and you spread them out on the ground, some brass and some copper and some zinc and aluminum, or if you're not from around here, aluminium, weirdos, if you say that, or, or, or gold or silver and some iron, and then you wave a magnet over it. The gold and the copper and the zinc and all the other stuff would stay there, but the iron would go straight up to the magnet. And the reason is, is because it has the same nature as the magnet. And as it will be in the very last days when we see Jesus coming in the clouds to bring His church with Him, to take this church with Him, so it will be in that day as well. So you say, Pastor Ben, okay, we understand how Jesus will bring the souls of all those who have died, who have believed that Jesus died and rose again. We see how there are those who are asleep and there are those who are of us that are alive and remain and what that all potentially could look like if this were to play out this afternoon. And we understand about these glorified bodies, both for those who sleep in Jesus and for that of ourselves once the dead in Christ rise first. How do we continue on? How, how do we... How do we continue on in sharing this beautiful picture that like the Thessalonian church did? Look, if you would, to verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we die today and Jesus comes back later or whether we're awake, we're alive right now and he comes back today, that we should live together with him, verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So how do we continue steadfast in this? The Bible gives us a picture of a breastplate. The Bible gives us a picture of a helmet. And I'm certainly no genius, but I think that just maybe that has to do with protecting the vitals. It has, has to do with protecting the heart. It has to do with protecting the head. If we are to see these things and not be ignorant about them and then carry them forward and not just simply be hearers of the word, and that was a great sermon, Pastor Ben, let's all go home and not change anything about our lives. If, if we're actually to carry this forward, we need to protect our heart. We need to protect our head. We need to protect the things that are vital because the last thing, the absolute last thing that the devil wants you to do is to talk about this painting, this beautiful painting that Jesus has redeemed for you with your sins forgiven. The last thing that the devil wants is for you to show other people how beautiful that painting is and all about the artist who made the painting like that. And the devil will have his way with some of us in that way. But I'm encouraging all of you to protect what's vital. Protect your heart. Protect your head. Be steadfast in this thing. And lastly, the overarching picture is certainly the only profession where someone would wear a breastplate or a helmet 
would be a soldier. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation for, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. This is the picture of being a soldier in all of this. Steadfast in marching. Being strong in this. It's kind of funny that the world hates the beautiful picture that Christians have. Have you thought about that? It's a beautiful picture. I could preach up here for a hundred years. And we would not even begin to scratch the surface of how awesome that redemption is that can only be found through Jesus. And the world hates that nowadays. So we've got to carry this forward like soldiers. We've got to be diligent. Soldiers don't show up on the battlefield undressed, unarmored, with no weapon and fat and slobby. They show up ready. They show up with the armor on. They show up with the sword. They show up ready to go. And we must be the same as well because there is only so much time to do these kinds of things. And can I just tell you, church, you know, we were originally lined up to be preaching through Acts chapter 4 today, the second part of Acts chapter 4 that we have not yet gotten to. And as I sat down this past week preparing to sit down and write this sermon and everything, there was just this, I opened up to Acts chapter 4 and there was this, an overwhelming sense that I must go and preach about this thing of death. And I, I understand, I believe I understand why that is now given the announcement that I made earlier of we must not be ignorant in these things. We must not sorrow like others do. There is a firm and steadfast direction for when the believer dies. There is an absolute pathway that is spelled out in God's Word. We mustn't be ignorant about it. And I don't know about you, but I am, I am looking forward to that day. Be it this afternoon and my body be transformed in, a, in an instant, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, after the dead in Christ have raised before me, after, and then I go up to be with the Lord. I, I'm, whether it's that or whether I, my body, my earthly shell turns into worm food for a couple hundred years or however long it is until Jesus comes back and, and then Jesus comes to redeem me and then I get to go first because I was dead. And you see, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to being in that moment because so many people see that as the end, that see death as the end. It is not the end. It is merely the beginning. And I am so looking forward on that day as we are with Jesus to, to willfully and joyfully bow my knee before Jesus and to say, your servant is awaiting the command of my king. And I'm looking forward to looking to my right and my left and seeing some people. Because I have faith, I trust, I believe with all my heart that what God's Word says is true. And that on that day there are going to be some people. Are you going to be there? Have you believed that Jesus has died and rose again? Have you repented of your sins? Have you said, God, your word says this, and I'm not going that way. If that is what your heart has said, you are damned in your seat this morning. You must repent. He is a holy, righteous, 
perfect, loving God that has expressed in His Word. He will not be in the presence of sin. If you are a rebel, if you have not repented before God, you are lost. Your picture is ugly, and it remains to be ugly until you repent of your sin, until you change your mind that what God says is true, and I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to turn around from this sin, from the way that I was going, the things that I thought that was right, the things that made sense to me. When you turn from those things and you look at the cross and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent of the sins that I've committed. The masterful artist will take the brush and he'll make the picture beautiful. And what a joy, what a hope, what a certain, steadfast, I don't care what you think kind of hope that us believers have when those that we love that we know, know Jesus, we absolutely know to the certainty that we can in this earth and in this body, that we can know that they believe that Jesus died and rose again, that they have repented of their sins. There is full assurance for that person that someday they will joyfully with me and hopefully with all of you, we will bend our knee to King Jesus and we will say, your servants are listening, Jesus, take over. Show us what you want us to do, Lord, and we'll look to the right and left and we'll see people we know there. Will that be you? The only way to be there is to repent of your sin. And you must. You absolutely must. If you leave this place and your thoughts are, how dare that preacher, and, and you're still going to go your own way, the thing that I would love to give you this morning is an ugly picture and let it be reminder that the call of a loving God is standing there with a wet brush saying, let me fix it, but you must repent. I'd love for you to be able to have that picture. And if you are a believer, if you have believed that the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again, and you have returned from your sin and you have trusted the Savior, I wish I could give you and leave you with a beautiful painting saying, there is no fear in death anymore. Your tombstone, your grave, someday that thing is going to roll away in the same resurrection power as it was for Jesus. Somebody say yes. Please stand with me as we pray and as we come to the music. Father, let us not be ignorant about these things. Thank you for your word that is clear. Father, help us, help us, I pray, to cut the lip service to you. Help us, Lord, to be champions of the artist that has made this canvas before us, this previously ugly canvas, beautiful. You're the only one can do it, that can do it. You're the only one who can save. You're the only one who has power over sin and death. And we put our full trust in you, Jesus. We love you for it. And we have hope. Father, remove from us the fear of death such that we can have a boldness and an assurance that when this old earthly shell wears out, we're just getting started. We love you for it. It's in Jesus' awesome name that everybody says, if you have repented today, please come talk to me before you leave. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Let's worship together.